0: Service this morning, so hopefully uh, you'll get a blessing out of it. Now it's my prayer this morning. That if you don't know Jesus Christ, that today would be the day that you give your heart to Him in that real and personal way. If you don't know Him as Savior, then I want to invite you to come and meet Him today. Give your heart to Him. Give your life to Him. Let me tell you. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to me, please, to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to give you a second to turn there. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, it's in the Old Testament. It's on page 1100 in my Bible. If that helps you. <laughs> Woo, goodness. Uh, give you a second to turn there. Have uh, you ever... And so I got reminded of a little bit of a, a story I heard the other day about symbols. Did you ever hear about the two symbols that fell off the stage? <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is good. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8, let's start in verse 1. The Bible says told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, the purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Urijah, Hekiah, Measeah, and at his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Mikajah, Esham Hashpadonah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Some of y'all just want to hear me read those names. Look at verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it up, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And let's take a look in verse 7 just to go along with it. And Yeshua, Bani, Shabbaya, Jameen, Ekut, Shebatiah, Hoja, Messiah, Kilita, Ezariah, Josephat, Hanan, Taliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, said to the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And I want to thank the Lord God for your word. And if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal, Lord, and Savior, or anyone here this morning, Lord, who needs that personal revival. Would you let today be that day? We bless you, give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, as you may know, just a little background, Nehemiah did leave the king's service to go and rebuild the wall. And we have a picture for you right there of what that wall possibly looked like. Unfortunately, we didn't have cameras back in those days. Amen. So, Like and probably was similar to that. Everything was thrown down. In fact, those walls on that side would have been completely torn down. There would have been nothing there. This is actually a time frame a little later on. This is a similar uh, picture of what may have what it may have looked like at that time. Where everything is torn down, the stones are thrown down, and you have to step over them to get into the city and step over them to get to the temple of the Lord. That's great, is it? 52 days. And that is some of the pictures of the walls around the city of David right now. That's a modern-day picture. And those walls date back to Nehemiah's time. Isn't it cool? Just 52 days it took him to do that. I think that's amazing. But I want you to think about what's happening here. We've got a temple rebuilt. We've got walls. You might feel that way this morning. You the Bible will put its finger right on it. In just 52 days, Nehemiah and all the Israelites that were inside rebuilt those walls. But God said, hmm, there's just something missing. There's something missing inside. It wasn't enough, church, to have structures built all around. It wasn't enough to have buildings and walls. filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden we have revival. Wrong. That's not the way it works. Revival begins differently, and we see the blueprint of it here in Nehemiah. We actually have a plan to have revival begin, and it's my challenge to you this morning that you will take what we're learning and what we're looking at this morning and put it to work. It took Israel 52 days to rebuild those walls. It's all of Jesus Christ having all of his way, all of the time, in all of me. Are you missing out on something? Then let me ask you, brother, then let me ask you, sister, is that a true statement for you this morning? Have you given Jesus Christ all of you? Jesus is not interested in part of you. Jesus isn't interested in just a little bit of you. He wants all You can't say that with all your heart. and You need a personal revival. You need a rebuilt wall in your life. You need a rebuilt temple. And though you might make the decisions to do those over and over again, and you might look around saying, God, look at this wall. God, look at that temple. But what's missing? What's missing is the Spirit of God. You can't for joy and happiness in a believer's life. When we meet God, the joy begins to flow. So let's look at this morning some elements in the Word of God for joy. We are in Nehemiah chapter 8. So the very first thing that we saw there in verse 1 that everybody gathered, everybody gathered as one person at Watergate. And we're not going to put a modern day twist on it. But could you imagine if we all gathered together at Watergate what happened now That <laughs> Think about that for a second. But here they are, they gathered at the water gate, everybody as one person. They became a
1: congregation.
0: They gathered as one, in one place, as one person. If you're going to have personal revival, if you're going to experience revival in your heart, in your life, in your relationship, in your spirituality, then you've got to start gathering with God. Can somebody say amen this morning? The problem is that we put off for far too long the ability to gather with God's people. We think that it's not necessary. We think that it's not important. We think that it's not essential to our spirituality. When the, uh, the truth is that really the reverse is there. You need God's people. You have to be around God's people. It is essential for you to experience, to know God To a degree, that's absolutely true. But to a degree, it's absolutely wrong. You've got to get out and mingle with God's people. Somebody say amen. It's a part of revival. It is a requirement of knowing and doing God's will. When we meet God, the joy begins to flow. These people gather together as a congregation. Look again in verse 1 with me. They gather together at one place as one people at the water gate. of us may be gathered for other reasons. We may feel like we have to come. We may feel like I don't want to be here, but someone said I had to be here. I'm just making my wife or my husband or my children happy. your children might be saying, I wouldn't be here if mom and dad said I didn't have to come. You know what I say about those mom and dads? I say, thank God for them. Amen. We need more moms and dads who will tell their children you're going, whether you like it or not. That is, amen. Praise the Lord. That has got to be something that comes back in the We've got to become some Bible-believing families again, or we're going to lose whatever we think we have. We've given the world far too much. We've surrendered in the name of pacifism, in the name of appeasement, the ability to pray in public. We've surrendered the ability to preach Jesus Christ anywhere that they think is offensive to us. Somebody say amen. We've given far too much, and it's high time the church Get some personal revival and get some family revival and start preaching, teaching, and living God's Word again. This was just 52 days for Israel. Imagine what could happen in your life. When we meet God, the joy begins to flow. You probably notice I keep restating that. Some of you look like you've been eating persimmons all day long. We, we need some joy. God comes in the fact that you know without a doubt that no one can pluck you from his hand. And you know without a doubt that if God be for you, who can be against you? You know without a doubt that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's joyful, amen? We need to get together as a congregation. The family needs to congregate together. The church needs to congregate together. And when we decide to come together, are gathered together in my name. There I am. When you get together with God's people, you should be expecting to experience the presence of God. Somebody say amen. We think church is about entertainment. We think church is about what can they do for me? What can they give me? When the truth is, church is about needing the presence, the spirit of the Living God. church is all about. And if you want to start having revival in your life, you got to get yourself back in church. you got to start congregating with God's people. you got to start being around with God's children. you got to start giving your heart to your family that says, we're going to church. Amen. Amen or me this morning. You might be sitting there saying, don't go, Josh, you're reading my mail. Somebody's got to because apparently you're We were built on Christian principles. We were built on the foundation of the Bible. And we've surrendered that in the name of appeasement to a bunch of people who don't know what restroom to use. Somebody say amen this morning. They are confused about what gender they are. They're confused about religion they have. And we've got the answer. We've got Jesus Christ. They are so loud. Have you ever spoke to a politician lately? You know, they think they can buy themselves out of debt. Think about that. They think they can dig themselves out of a hole with a shovel. You can't keep digging and expect to have a bridge there. Church, the truth is, is we've got to come back to being God's people, God's house, one people with one God, Jesus
1: Christ.
0: You want revival? Time for us to congregate. When we get together, something fantastic happens. When God's people come together, Jesus said, like I said earlier, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. When we come together, when we stand together, we understand the presence of God is with us. You know, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the believers. The Bible says, don't give it up. first thing they do is let go of the church. And it was funny is they usually blame somebody in church like this. Isn't that amazing? They always say, well, somebody in church did this or said this or brought this about, when the truth is you should be in church. You're not here for what those other people think. You're here for the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. You're supposed to be here about Jesus. You want revival? Then get yourself back in church. You want revival? Get yourself plugged back into God's people. You want revival? Then find out what God's doing, and I'm here to tell you, God is working in your local church. He's working at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. He's building walls. He's building new temples, but there is something missing. We're missing that personal revival. We need that personal revival in our when we come together as God's people, we watch something fantastic happen. We watch Jesus come and be a part of us. And it's my prayer that Jesus is talking to you right now. It's my prayer that He is knocking on the door of your heart. It's my prayer that you will open that door and say, "Come in, Jesus." There's walls that need to be torn down. There's walls that need to be built back up. There's gates. There's temples. And everything it needs to be yours. I want to be a part of God's people. When we come together. phone. He wrote him letters, but he didn't write letters back. So one day he showed up out of the blue. And the old man who'd been coming faithfully for years who hadn't been coming for the last few weeks, last few months was sitting there next to his fire. The preacher never said a word. He reached over to his fireplace tools, grabbed the tongs, took the tongs and pushed that now extinguished log back to the fire and instantly it caught back. The man turned around to the preacher and said, Thank you for the fire this Sunday. I will see you Sunday morning. Amen. <laughs> you need to get back into God's people, God's house, and what God is doing in God's congregation. The truth is, though, picture up before we got nehemiah and we got ezra reading the law to the people and they're standing out with their hands raised the bible says, amen remember what they said they said amen not just once but twice amen you know you're in a bad district when we have some ameners can i get an amen on that amen. i got a witness here today amen when god's people get excited we start in a little bit let's take a look at what happens next here so if we gather together as a congregation let's look at our second one Not only did Ezra read the book of the law, but the Bible says the Levites, the priests, went out and explained it to the people. That means they were contemplating it. We need to get together, finally, and start honoring God's word. Can I get an amen on that? When we get, when we start contemplating God's word, we finally start honoring it the way it should be. God's word is not meant to be put on a shelf and wait for the next funeral. God's word you got a problem in your life. God's Word is meant for you to hide in your heart that you might not sin against God. God's Word is to be contemplated on. Not just congregated, but contemplated on. When Nehemiah and Ezra read it, if we want the revival they had, then not only do we need to congregate, but we need to contemplate God's Word. It's time for us to start thinking about what God's Word said. You know, the Bible actually tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're supposed to meditate on God. Psalm chapter 1. We're supposed to meditate on it morning and evening. We're supposed to constantly think about His Word. It's supposed to be what's in us, what's coming out of us. It's supposed to be what is our necessary food. Think about that for a second. Can you say that this morning? Can you say, Brother Josh, I haven't been in church much, but I'm glad I came today because the music was wonderful. You say, Brother Josh, but well, I'm glad today because you told a wonderful joke. No, no, we're here for the Word of God. You need to understand. You need to understand what's happening here. The people began to contemplate, and they said, "We're not here to hear Ezra. We're not here to hear Nehemiah. We are here to hear the Word of God." And when they began to, Amen, Hallelujah. When they began to understand, it was the Word. God's Word. And it's time for God's living church, the Bride of Christ, to not just handle His Word, but it's time for us to honor His Word. It's time for us to put His Word to work. Enough time in it. There are people out there who say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. What's the contradiction is your understanding. Amen or oh me, that's the truth. It is perfect. It is inerrant. It is inspired. It is infallible. And we can trust it. We can hang our hat on. We can take it to the bank. When this whole world is sinking down, we can stand on God's Word and make it through the storm. Church, it is that which will remain forever and ever. It is the Word of the living God. And to relate it in our lives. That's what church is supposed to do. That's why I am so big as your pastor on promoting our Bible studies. Did you know that? That's why I'm so big on saying go to Sunday school. That's why I'm so big on saying go to those Bible studies because I believe God's people need to contemplate on God's word. The more we know God's word, the better we when the devil starts flying at us to be able to withstand this world. And incidentally, as you may already know, it's getting to be an unfriendly world to Christians. You've got to have something in your corner, and it better be God's word because everything else will leave you wanting. It is God's word that we can stand on. It is God's word we can trust. It is God's word that will just be something about how great God is, it should be about you putting God's Word in this life. In fact, every sermon I preach, theoretically, and I want it to be, it should be submissive, subservient to the Scripture. Why? Because you didn't come here to hear me. You came here to hear the Word of God. If you come to hear me, you're going to be disappointed come to see me, you're most certainly going to be disappointed. If you come to say, Josh, did you get any taller this week? You're really going to be disappointed. The truth is, if you come, like the people finally realize in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8, the word of God, if you come to hear the word of God, then you will never be disappointed. And it's high time. We grabbed a hold of God's word again, yes, and said He will not third point here. Even though I've got two other pages of notes on contemplation. So pardon me for just a minute. Let's move on to a third one. Celebration! If we congregate, if we contemplate, you know you're going to find us celebrating. Can we do that in the Baptist church? Amen! Hallelujah! We can do that. We can celebrate. Why would we celebrate? You've got to read God's Word to find out. You've got to get in God's Word. You've got to find out to find out that we've got a reason to keep on giving, to keep on loving, to keep on taking it. You've got to find out that God's people can keep on going even when everything else in this world says, stop. We've got God's word on it. Hallelujah. We should be celebrating. Look in verse 10. Nehemiah and Ezra say to the people, do not. They realize we've broken God's law. We've missed out on feasts. This is actually the Feast of Tabernacles we're talking about here. We've missed out on the Feast of Tabernacles. If you speak Hebrew, it's Sukkot. We've missed out on Sukkot. We don't know what to do. We've missed out on the Moedim, the Feast. We've missed out on the Mitzvah, the Commandment. We are now brokenhearted because they began to honor God's word. They honored it. They handled it. And Nehemiah and Ezra say, this day is holy. You need to go and eat the fat. Modern day translation. Go ahead and have that jelly donut. Amen. You know I'm on a diet. So I to throw that in there. I've been watching my way. Why? Because I'm beginning to understand this is so much more than the body of Joshua. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's my Then, what am I supposed to do with this big one we're in? Somebody say amen. It's time for me to heed God's word. It's time for me to read God's word. It's time for me to grab a hold of God's word and put it to work in my life because I want to be celebrating. I want to celebrate. I want to hear, don't weep, don't more eat the fat, drink the sweet. Modern day translation for that one? Go ahead and have that glass of sweet tea. No, 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 no. Pepsi, amen? Go ahead and have that ginger ale. It's all right. No, that's not really what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about you can rejoice because God is giving you bountiful good things. Amen. Have you looked around you? principles will come into effect. The more we stray from God's word, the more we invite God's judgment upon us. Do you see what it means to celebrate? Do you see what they were doing? They celebrated. Take a look at them here. With their hands raised, they began celebrating. I love to see God's people worship. I love to see God's people celebrate. You say, wait a minute, Brother Josh. This is a Baptist church. We can't have any fanatics in here. I than it is to wake up a corpse. It is so much easier to say, you can't jump the pews, but go ahead and raise your hand. You can't start out shouting, Brother Josh, which may be impossible, amen? You can't out shout, Brother Josh, but you can raise your hand and worship Jesus Christ. I want to see your cup run get a hold of the idea that his blood can make you new. That his presence can make you new. That he can give you a new life. He can give you a purpose. He can give you a whole new family and make you live forever. Hallelujah. We need to celebrate. We've got reason to rejoice. We should be rejoicing all the time. Why? God's people, if we will contemplate as individuals, then we will celebrate every time God's Spirit gets around us. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we got to move into one more now. You've heard the scriptures, God is with us, who could be against us, and God is for us. What can man do Psalm 119 says, Psalm 119 is one of my favorites, there. there's so much in it, it's an acrostic song, what does that mean, that means that the author, the author of Psalm 119 built it as poetry, and he took all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and he built so many verses to each letter, so each one starts out with Aleph. Look in Psalm 119, somewhere around the 50th verse. You'll find out that David, that the author of this psalm, says, Your word has revived me. Your word has revived me. You want some translation on that? Your word has given me reason to rejoice. Your word has given me reason to figure out that it's not going to be as bad as I thought it was. If we will... Fourth and final point this morning. Consecrated. What does consecrated mean? It means holy to God. That's what consecrated means. Holy to God. How do we see that in Nehemiah chapter 8? Well, the Bible tells us. They went out and did all that Ezra and Nehemiah told them to do. Because they realized it wasn't about hearing Ezra and Nehemiah. It was about hearing the word of God. They went out and did. Saying, I no longer say, Why should I do this? Now, as God said it, Why aren't I doing this? We need to learn to be, like James says, doers of His Word. When we become doers of His Word, we become consecrated. If we will congregate in obedience, if we will contemplate in obedience, we will celebrate because His presence is with us, and we will find ourselves consecrated. Thing you need to do is put Jesus in your heart and in your life. You will not have that joy. You will not have that fellowship until you have the Son,
1: Jesus Christ.
0: If you're going to be consecrated, then you got to understand it's holy to God. You got to be holy to God. What does that word mean? Holy. If you ever went to a fabric shop, probably not, but if you did, you would find out. Some fabrics cost more. Some fabrics are better made, but then there's the fabrics that are a cut above everything else. That's the picture of consecration, a cut above everything else. God wants His people to be a cut above everything. When God says, "Thou shalt not lie," we should not lie. Amen. When God says, "Don't steal." don't need you doing it. We should not be doing it. When God says, I want you to do this, we should be doing it. Why? Because we're a cut above. What made us a cut above? The blood of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to be consecrated, holy to God. They
1: obeyed,
0: and so should we. They hearkened unto God's word. They heard it. They handled it. hearers of the word, but doers of God's word. And when we do God's word, we're going to have great joy. You want to talk about great joy for a minute? I'm going to give you what brings me great joy. In my house, I still have three boys. That is great joy as a father. My force is out in the Navy force Force, but I still have three boys at home. That means, without a doubt, that there isn't a day that goes by that our laundry baskets don't get overflowing. Mask, empty. But you know what I really hate? Washing clothes. In fact, there's only one thing I hate more than a washing machine, and that's a washing machine that's actually working. So if you want to come wash our clothes, you're welcome to. No better church Robert We're the best kept secret in Cops Cow. The only problem is is we're still secret to a lot of people. Right now, you take charge of this time. There's there going be anybody that needs to come to know you. It's personal, Lord, and say. For anybody, Father, needs to get their heart right with you. For anybody, Father God, that needs to make a decision. in this church that can't leave you to Jesus Christ. Grab them and get saved today. Well, my goodness, I want to invite you back to church tonight, and let me tell you, you don't want to miss that Sunday, amen? Six o'clock, come and be a part of that. Congregate with us. Our upcoming Christ in the Passover service sign-up sheet outside. Please put your name on that, since we do have limited seating. It'll be in the fellowship hall. I think we can hold maybe a hundred or slightly over a hundred, somewhere in that nature. So please get your seat on a name on there, because it's first come, first served basis. All right. Uh, with that being said, Tenebrae service come up. Please be in prayer about that, and please be in prayer with our upcoming changes to our men's ministry. Bible study, men's Bible study, that is at 6.30, so um, that'll be Thursday, 6.30, and other than that, let's close in a word of prayer, and I am going to ask our brother Mark Wheelis, would you close in prayer today?